this was a busy Sunday, and I probably should do this on uh, another day, but I'm not, I'm not going to. I, I want to do this. I've been meaning to do this and, and have not done this, and so I would like all of our deacons, and so I know I, uh, Dustin's up there, but I need you to come down. I, I would like all of our deacons, and just for a moment, if we could put them right here on this row right here, Wes, where you guys are at. Um, it tells us in, in uh, Acts chapter 6, says in verse 1 that, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we, who we may appoint over this business. And so we know that they did that. And then we know just uh, one passage quickly here. This is right off the cuff, all right? So bear with me, but maybe gone in more detail, but tells us in Philippians chapter 1, now this is uh, sometime afterwards, so we're probably talking 30 years later or at least 25 years later, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops which are the pastors and the deacons. And so we know that in our churches today, there's two offices. There's the office of the pastor, and there's the office of the deacons. And we know that the deacons are, the deacons are not a governing board. Uh, as a matter of fact, your pastor isn't a governing board. Your pastor ought to be a servant. And these gentlemen are servants also to this church. And they, they have uh, done a wonderful job. And I know that we have added Dennis this year as another deacon. And I, I just wanted them to come forward today, and we're going to have them stand in a moment. But uh, before that, Wes, I want you to come over here, if you would. I'd like Thane, if you're around, wherever Thane's at, I'd like him to come. Uh, Tyler, you're right here. You know, just for sake of, of, of size here, we can't. Roy, I'd like you to come over here. Pat, if you come over, Nick, if you come over here, I just want to pray with these men, pray over these men today, and uh, let you know that these guys are true servants to our church, and I am truly thankful for each one of them, and they have shown themselves to be honorable in their behavior. I pray for them daily, pray for their families daily. They have wonderful families and, and uh, serious about uh, serving the Lord, and they'll never know on this side of heaven how much I depend on them. And uh, they they really take a load off as uh, the church continues to grow and the, the burdens that you carry. Um, and I know God's the one that has to carry those, but they have been a huge relief in uh, uh, helping with all of that. And I wanted you guys to know who your deacons are uh, in this church, and uh, some of you didn't know who the deacons were, and I wanted you to know who they are, and so, but we're going to take just a moment here, and we're going to pray for each one of these gentlemen, and uh, 
So Les, I'd like you to pray first. Tyler, you pray second, and then I'll close, okay? Let's pray for these gentlemen and their lives, their families today, and the ministry here. Father, we thank you for uh, each and every one of these men. Thank you for uh, their submission to you and the Holy Spirit, their willingness to serve. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you continue to make them men of wisdom. I pray that they would... Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd protect them, protect their families. Uh, Lord, just watch over them. Lord, thank you for the uh, thank you for the strength and the uh, help that they are to pastor and to this church. Lord, I thank you for their love for our people. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to just bless, continue to uh, give them a heart for service. And Lord, I just pray that. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for each of them, and I just pray that you continue to watch over them. In your name we pray. Lord, we do come come before you, and Lord, we do thank you for Dustin, Todd, Eric, Tony, and Dennis, and Lord, we thank you for what they mean to this church. Lord, we thank you for their heart and their, their servant's heart and their heart that uh, helps drive pastor's visions, and Lord, we thank you that uh, they are the men that they are. Lord, we pray that you would put a hedge about them. Lord, I pray that you would protect them, protect their families. Lord, give them wisdom. Lord, give them strength as they as they uh, deal with the things that they deal with. Lord, we pray that you just help them to be the, uh, continue to be the help to pastor that they have been. Lord, we just, uh, we are so grateful for these men, so humbled that these men are, are in our midst. Lord, we just thank you for all these things. Father, we continue to pray, and Lord, I thank you for Dennis. Thank you for Deanna, and I pray that your hand be upon them and your hand of protection and provision. I pray you give him wisdom, Lord, as he continues to uh, serve you and serve our church family. And Lord, I thank you for Tony and Kristen and, and uh, his kids. And, and Lord, I, I just pray that uh, you will, uh, Lizzie and Clayton, and I pray that you just bless them and guide them and Lord, I pray you continue to use them greatly and protect them, Father. And thank you, Lord, for a servant's heart. Thank you for Eric and Mindy. And, and, and uh, boy, Lord, we just thank you for Brody and Kinzer and Darlene. And pray, Father, that you will bless them and, and protect them. And, Lord, thank you, Lord, for just the servant's heart he has also. And pray, Father, you continue to just strengthen Eric and help him, Lord, to just continue to grow. And be what you'd have him to be. Thank you, Lord, for Todd and Missy, and Lord, I thank you for Kara and Nate, and pray, Father, that your hand be on them, and Lord, we just thank you for the encouragement that they are, and thank you, Lord, for bringing them here, and and Lord, we just pray that you continue to strengthen them and guide them, and Father, I thank you for Dustin and Courtney, thank you, Lord, for Brexton and Emmy and Cadence, and Lord, I pray you continue to use them greatly, and Help us, Lord, to just have that servant's attitude, servant's heart that you want us to have and serve you faithfully and honorably. And, Lord, I pray that you help these men to have wisdom that uh, you can only give. And I pray that you give them discernment. And, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for Platte Valley Baptist Church. Thank you for the need of these men. And I pray you continue to help them and guide them. And, and Lord, use us as a church body to reach this community to stand for what's right and righteous and good and, and biblical, and that, Father, we will just continue to be the light 
Thank you for the help that these guys give to us. And I pray your blessings upon our entire church, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. And uh, these guys, if you have questions, you uh, ask them anytime. I know that they'll help you any way that we can. God bless you. Love you guys. The pastor is probably the only one that um, understands the uh, complete necessity and, and the blessing of having those guys, but it is a blessing uh, to have them. So kids, you can head on upstairs. So we're getting close to Valentine's Day, so I've kind of quit the chocolate. I'd rather buy my wife a ribeye. <laughs> Some of you might, maybe tacos, that's all right, too. I think Matt better buy Kara's tacos down there. She's a taco person, but, uh, you know, I I, um, I was reading in Matthew and it kind of stirred the whole thinking of of today, and and uh, I, I mentioned this in the the my Facebook devotion I was doing the other day, and uh, giving thought, and and the lawyer had come to Jesus, and lawyers trying to trick Jesus, and he said, so what's the what's the most important of all the laws, and. Jesus said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And uh, that, that was the most important. And I find that interesting that that, that isn't really one of the laws that, that they were thinking about, but that's the law that God has told us is most important, is that we love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And you can go over into the Gospel of Mark, and Mark even adds our body. And so heart, soul, mind, and body. And, but we are to love him with everything that we are. And, you know, I, I was given thought to that this week, and, and God uses our own lives as examples so often. And, and uh, some, sometimes when you go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you, give, you see the description there of what love is, and I find that I fail on that so often. And I find that my love for God, I do love the Lord. And, and, I, and I try to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and body. There's this nasty old thing called sin nature that always seems to jump up there every once in a while and, and causes some problems, but I'm so thankful that God knows my heart. Because really, my, my love for him is is sometimes fluctuating, and it shouldn't, but it does. And that's just a fact of life. That's who we are, and I'm not justifying it, but those are some of the battles we have. But that's not a, what I want to think about today. I have that message started, and it's on my desk, and I just couldn't get it done and was thinking about it, and then this one came, and, and I thought, you know, maybe the thing that I need to look at before we start looking at our side of love and, and how it fluctuates and how there, there, are, there are messes that get in the way. I, I just thought maybe today we could focus for a few minutes here on the love of Christ. How grateful I am, and I'm sure all of you are too, about how stable God is in his love. 
You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make in, as believers and, and even those in the world is that they, they try to put God in a box of our definition of what love is. And we try to give thought that God is like us in, in our love and that so often our love seems to be conditional and God's is unconditional. And, and God's is pure, and God's is holy, and, and, and it's perfect in every way, and it is unfailing. And so it, it's this love that, that God shows us, that it's this love that took him to the cross. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, Paul, he considered himself to be the chiefest of sinners, and he said, Christ still loved me. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so it's this love that Christ has that drove him to that cross, even for those of us who truly don't deserve it, and he still went to that cross. And, and even while he was on that cross, he displayed his love through a forgiving spirit. I mean, this, is, this boggles my mind. In Luke 23, verse 34, then Jesus said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. While he's hanging on the cross, we see the love that he still had for those that were killing him. How powerful is that? To think of this, this kind of love that Christ has. And it truly is incomprehensible by, in our own mind. And, and by far more powerful than, than our flesh is this love that he has. In Ephesians chapter 3, 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, how powerful our God is. If you want to know more about the love of God, go back and read Romans chapter 8, and a, a wonderful, wonderful chapter in the Bible that tells us a vivid description of the love of Christ and the love of God that, that he has for us. And so just for a few moments here, a very basic message today, but just want us to give a thought to a, a few points here. And first of all, Christ's love is to the sinner. That's for every one of us, isn't it? And we know that it's his love that is towards each one of us. And in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, Isaiah wrote this, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Romans 3, in verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. He tells us all throughout Scripture. He tells us over in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and, and that, but he goes on to tell us that 
even in all of that, in that state that we are in, Christ still loves us. It tells us the purpose for His coming in that love for the sinner in Matthew 18, 11, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was me. That was me. I, I'm, I mean, I, I can't imagine how, how in, in the, the way that, that I express my love to Him, that, that He still loves me. And it's unconditional. And He saved me on that day so many years ago in that small town church of Spicker, Missouri, and saved me that day and has loved me and continuously has been my father since that day. You know, we need to understand that Christ's love is to the sinner, and that's to every one of us. You do not deserve it. We, we do not deserve that love, but Christ gives us that love. And so be careful. It says in Romans 6, 3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But Christ's love is to the sinner. You turn over to Matthew chapter 9, and this always jumps out in my Bible. I have it highlighted here and have preached messages out of this passage before. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 and through 22, we see that Christ's love is also to the helpless tells us, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. You know, it tells us in the Gospels and other story of in, in the other Gospels, maybe a little bit more uh, detailed uh, explanation of this. He was thronged by a whole group of people, and this woman in that crowd, thinking that she could go unnoticed, that she reaches through there and touches the hem of his garment, and he stops immediately and and said that glory had passed through him, and and he wanted to know who had touched him, and they're like, okay, Jesus. We're in a throng of people. Everybody is all over you, and what are you talking about? And that's when he found that woman in her helpless state and knowing of her health issues that she had, and she was diseased, and her condition had been this way, it tells us, for 12 years, and she had reached out to all kinds of help, and nobody had helped, and so finally, in her helpless state, knowing that there's no one else that can give an answer and, and can, can help her condition, she goes to the only one that can truly help her condition, she goes to Jesus. How, how do we understand the love of Christ, but... Here we, we see that the way that you can understand the love of Christ is you need to understand how helpless you are in saving yourself and, and how, how sufficient he is into saving you. And, and you just reach out and say, Jesus, I want to trust you today to be the one who saves me from my sins, that one that can give me eternal life. And Lord, by faith, I trust only in what you have done your death, your burial, your resurrection, you did that for me. You rose again, and you are in heaven today, and, and that work that you have done is sufficient, and I am trusting in that and in that only, and he'll save you. Look, we are helpless in, our, in ourselves, and there is nothing, nothing, nothing that we can do. Matthew 5 it says, gives us another story here, and 
This one comes really close to home to many, I know, but Matthew 5 and, and verse 35, and while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And so here we, we see that, that uh, this one, his daughter had died, and, and I can only imagine what, here he is, he has come, and, and, and we know earlier from the story that he's come and, and asking Jesus to save his daughter who is deathly ill, and now they come and tell him, hey, your daughter is dead, leave Jesus alone, there's nothing he can do about it. You ever been to the time in your life where your heart is broken and God brings you to a place where you realize that the only way that you're ever going to get any help is through Jesus? Whether it's for a loved one or whether it's that recognition that you need a Savior and you are helpless in yourself, but with Jesus and His love, when you come to Him and you lay it out to him and trust in him, he'll help you. You see, Christ's love is always manifested to the helpless. I, I think that's a way that we as believers, and that's one of the ways as a church body that we can reach out into our community and, and help the helpless. That's why we support the, the Caring Pregnancy Resource Center. God tells us that it's a direct command that we need to defend those who are innocent and those uh, who are helpless. It's our job to do so. We're, we're, to, we're to help those who, and do not shed the innocent blood, and we need to be the voice for those innocent babies. We need to help those that are helpless and be there and understand that that represents Christ's love that he has to the helpless. Turn over to Luke chapter 18 and here we also see that Christ's love is to the humble. I, I, think it's, I think it's very humbling when we think about how fickle we are in our love to our Savior and how one day we are on fire for God and then the next day we're battling something in the flesh or battling an attitude or battling pride or whatever, whatever the, 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 the choices of the day that we're battling with and our hearts and our minds aren't on Christ and they're not on God and, and, and we see that, that uh, we are beaten up all the time and it really is humbling to think that even in our constant state of turning our back on God and not being what we ought to be that there he is. He's still there and he still loves us. You see, God wants us to be humble and understanding that we all have feet of clay. God has never expected us to be perfect in this day and, and in this flesh. He understands that, but he does want us to love him with a pure and genuine heart. And, and, and so here we, we need to do that, but we need to understand that we need to come to him humbly. It, it tells us in verse 9 of, of uh, Luke 18, and, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And 
The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, the Pharisee was full of hypocrisy and a judgmental attitude, and the humble, well, the humble realized who they are, and they also realize who Christ is, and they humbly come to him. And oh, how careful we need to be, and how guarded we need to be. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. That's what he tells us that we ought to do. And, and so let us be humble in knowing and understanding that even when we fail him, he doesn't fail us. And he's always there. His love is not conditional. His love is unconditional. Jesus Christ went to that cross and he died for the sins of the world. You know, I have people come and talk to me sometimes and sometimes they get out of here because they're ashamed of their behavior. They're ashamed of their sin. They're ashamed of, of what it's doing to their lives. May I, may I tell you that it's the devil that's bringing the shame upon your life. Jesus Christ may be convicting your heart through the Holy Spirit of God, but all he's doing is telling you, you need to come to him. And you need to call on him, and you need to trust in him, and you need to have a change of mind of who Jesus is. He's not some God who's sitting on the throne as an ogre and waiting to strike you with lightning and looking forward to sending you to hell. He sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross for the sins of all the world. For everybody that's here, and yes, we make a mess of our lives, and yes, we, we, we reek of sin in our lives, and, and Jesus knows that, and Jesus is willing to get dirty. He died on that cross, he shed his blood, and he was spit on, and mocked on, and beaten upon, and gave his life so that each one of us could call on him and trust him as our Savior. Doesn't matter what the sin was, Jesus can forgive you of that. Know how we need to look to him and understand that that shame that is on your life is brought on by the guilt in your mind and the, and the shaming of the devil himself. No, we shouldn't be proud of our sin, but we should be humble enough and realizing that we in ourselves can't save ourselves, but Jesus can. And so we crawl to him humbly and we ask him to be our savior and trust in him for forgiveness and he gives it to you. How joyful is that? The precious blood of Christ that was spilled upon that cross is sufficient to save all who will call upon him. He even said even the rich man could be saved, and that's when they said, well, how in the world, you know, God, you're, you're saying all these things about how hard it is, and, and, and how can anybody be saved? And he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God can save you if you just come to him with that open heart. And the last thing, Matthew chapter 18, God's love is to the insignificant. And maybe to drive it home a little more in today's society, I've used this before, but Christ's love is to the non-essential. <laughs> that still just gripes me. 
when we have a government that tells us that there are some in our society who are essential and some who are not. That's paganistic. It's devilish. It's not honoring to God. Everybody is significant to God. He died on the cross for every one of us. He died on the cross for that little baby that's still in the womb of that that young mother. He died on the cross for the most evil of men. He died on the cross even for Hitler. Hitler's fault that he chose to follow the devil rather than God. That's his fault. He chose that. He's suffering in eternity still today and will for eternity. And so how we see and understand Christ's love is to the insignificant. Matthew 18, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Isn't that typical of all of us? I mean, we're going to sit there with Jesus and and John and, you know, John and James, they said, hey, mom, mom, come here. Why don't you go talk to Jesus for us? You know, why don't you put in a good word? He might listen to you. You know, he knows us too good, but maybe he'll listen to our mom. It tells us in one of the gospels that John, the sons of Zebedee, mom comes to Jesus and says, hey, you hearing me? I want Jimmy and Johnny to be sitting on both sides of you, okay? That's where I want them to be, and Jesus said, that ain't none of your business. That's my version, okay? (laughs) You know what he said? He said the greatest would be last, and last would be greatest. He said, don't be worried about that. Just, and there are so many in our society today that think that they are insignificant, You're not insignificant to God who created you, who can count the very hairs upon your head, who sent his son to die on that cross for you. One of the hardest days of my life of ministry was the day that we saw Jeff go into eternity. And how devastating that was. And, and you know, some could say in the church that Jeff was insignificant. Jeff wasn't very loud. Didn't say much at all. Matter of fact, I still have it on my phone and we'll save it forever, but the only text that I got from Jeff was on Easter Sunday of 2020, and we had the platform out here, and it was a blizzard, and I was in a really bad mood, ready to take over the government, and... You know, I mean, it was just a bad day, all right? And we're preaching on Easter, and we got all these cars lined up out here, and and Jeff would do, in his insignificance, would always try to be all the way in the back. And I got a text from him, and he said, look who's on the front row. And there he sat in his new GMC on the front row in his truck, listening on the radio. And, you know, people might think that just because someone is quiet that, well, they're insignificant. You know, in our society, there are those that we're we're calling non-essential or insignificant. I want you to know that Christ loves you and that there is not one person here that is not insignificant. You are special to God today. And you need to know that. Our teens that are 
going through life today and questioning their existence and questioning their being and, and questioning all kinds of things that, that perverts are trying to teach them today and, 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 they're, and they're causing them to be so confused and, and doubt things and, and they got, look, there, there was a study, I read it this week, that mom and dad were interviewed and they said, what is the most important thing that you want for your children? And they said, economic stability. By far, hands down, the biggest thing that parents want for their children today is economic stability. And so they're going to be rich. And what does it gain a man if he gain the whole soul, if they gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Oh, God forgive us today in our society and, and how we want to we, we will want to pressure our children into making them be significant in society. We push them and push them and push them to go this way in the way of the world. And God is saying over here, everybody is special to me. Let your children know that. Let your kids know that, first of all, that they are very special to Jesus. He died for them. And then you take time as a parent and show them that they are special to you. Work can wait. Money can go away, but what the, the impact that you make on your children will be forever. Know how important we need to understand. Christ's love is to the insignificant, and Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever there shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. <laughs> you are important to God today. Do you know that? Is he your father? I'm not saying, I'm not asking you, is he your creator? He's everybody's creator, whether you want to agree with that or not. I don't care, you can deny it until the day you die. You're going to find out that your, your entire destiny was based upon what you do with what your creator has done for you, sending you Jesus Christ to be the perfect picture of love and, and by what you have done with Jesus, what you have done with Jesus, what you have done with Jesus, nobody else but what you have done with Jesus will determine whether you're in hell or whether you're in heaven for all eternity. And all you've done is saying that I deny and I reject the very love of my creator. He loves us from day one. When we called on Christ to be our Savior, he said, you're a part of my family now. No longer am I just your creator, but now I'm your father. And you're my family. And I'll take care of you. And I'll provide for you. And I'll show you how significant you are. I'll show you how important you are. And one day, we'll enjoy the benefits for eternity. That's the love of Christ. Oh, we could preach on this every Sunday. But how joyful it is to know we have a God who loves us. And so let us trust in him.
and let us live for him. And let our love, as we recognize his perfect love, let our love show forth that better every day. What hinders you today? I don't know, maybe, maybe your pride or maybe it's, I don't know, some false teaching you've had in your life or some false philosophies that you've garnered in your own life or false thoughts that you've had about Jesus. But I'm telling you that the only way you get to heaven is through Jesus. And you call on Jesus today and let him be your Savior. And if you know him as your Savior, then live in the love of Christ today. Let him guide you and show you and help you. And you'll find the joy that only our Savior can give. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for many who have that testimony, have seen and understood just a little glimpse at least of your love and have called on you to be their Savior. Lord, I thank you for each saved individual who's in here today. Lord, I know you want them to know, and I know I, I don't want anyone walking out of here with any doubts. I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one who's here, and that, Lord, they can sit, they, they know through the Bible that they have trusted Christ, they have humbled themselves and called on you and settled that, and I pray that you would remind them of that, and Lord, but if there's one that has never done that, then never been a moment in time where their faith has been placed totally in you that, Lord, today, they would just settle that. That they'll reach out to you right now, just as simple even as Peter called out to Jesus on the waves, Jesus, save me. Lord, I pray that in their simple heart and their simple way that they would express their faith and call on you to be their Savior. I pray you do a work in their lives today and show them. Lord, I thank you for those who have and are following the Lord in baptism today. I pray that you bless that and bless the, those people and their families and their lives and use them greatly as they take this step. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. I pray you continue to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Five hundred.